Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And welcome to the latest Man on the Post European Football Podcast with me, your host, James Rowe. And once again, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Scott Munro. Scott, good evening. How are you? Good evening, James. I'm not too bad. You OK? I'm very well, thank you. We are tonight going to discuss the aftermath of the four remaining Champions League uh, last 16 first legs, as well as looking ahead to... Um, to the Europa League last Europa League last sixteen. So I thought I thought we might start with events in Lyon, which we discussed might be a bit surprising. And it was Lyon drew nil uh, nil with Barcelona, and uh, the price of a draw in the Netherlands was uh, just over six to one. And uh, yours truly put two euros on it, so I'm quite happy with that. Money in the back pocket. Indeed, but it's all, it's all about having fun. But uh, what was your thoughts on Lyon Barcelona? Um, I think Leon did well to contain Barcelona. Barcelona did have 20-plus shots on goal, mm-hmm. um, and they were very wasteful, um, particularly Luis Suarez, who looked like his... <laughs> like um, we discussed on Extra Time, we talked about Alexis Sanchez yeah. a couple of weeks ago and said that he looks like a player who's played too much football and his career looks like on the down. Mm. And I'm feeling the way about Luis Suarez, even though he scored at the weekend against Seville, he looked a player shot of confidence and he missed a hat full of chances. And he, he, to be honest, he looks like he, he's piled on the few, a few pounds as well. Hmm. Well, I, I wasn't surprised that Lyon would get something out of this game. And yes, Barcelona had many, many shots on goal, but Lyon is a difficult place to go. There's, um, there's good unity there and uh, not many teams win there. And uh, you know they had their they've had their moments this season dispatching of um, a personage man at home and that would have given an awful lot of confidence. And uh, they go off to the camp now, knowing that an away goal at some point in the ninety minutes would put them in a tremendous position. What's your what's your thoughts ahead of the second leg, perhaps? Uh, well, a part of me thinks I don't know which Leon would turn up because they're so Jekyll and Hyde. They can go and beat PSG in the league and then lose away at Nice and then struggle to win against Gangon ahead of the Champions League tie. It's going to be tough for them. Barcelona have been poor, but they've been winning poor. Mm. Um, they're going to have to deal with Messi, who's in the form of his life, but he's an absolute... To be honest, he is the greatest player alive mm. at the moment. Mm. No no question about that. 50 hat-tricks, and his hat-trick against Seville at the weekend was fantastic. It, um, it was, especially given the setting. I mean, uh, Seville, yeah. Seville is a difficult place to go. I have been fortunate to interview many players and managers in the last two and a half years, and when you hear fellow pros talk about Messi... I'll give you an example of Fabian Johnson of uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach when I interviewed him last August. And he told me that he played against Messi um, 
especially at international level. And when you think you've got him and you think you're doing all right, all of a sudden things can change very, very quickly. And, um, you know, so even for professional players who like to keep him in check and think, I've got him, I'm, I'm doing all right, all of a sudden he'll, um, he'll go on his merry way and, and make that important goal or pass to, um, to, uh, to change the game. I mean, for me, there's no, there's no doubt in his, his quality, but from my point of view, it's just my personal opinion, Scott. To be touted as the best of all time, having only ever played in one league, for me... I give the example of Zidane. You know, Zidane got uh, Bordeaux to a European final. Bordeaux to a European final, I'll repeat. Went to Juve, which in in Syria was at the its complete peak. You know, very if you got past the defence, you were having a, a good game. And he changed he changed that league, and he made that league look easy. And then you go to the biggest club in the world, and you make an impression and win. European Cup scoring a tremendous goal in the final as well as win, winning a World Cup and a, and a European Championship I know we're in a, we're in a society and we're in a, a a world where people love to compare and they can't accept things for what they are but I don't doubt Messi's ability I just think you know that he he, he kind of he seemed to flirt with Inter Milan a few years ago when they were under Moratti by saying oh, I'd love to play for them I'd love to try something different from my point of view, I would love to see him in a different setting just to see if he can replicate that. But I, mean, I suppose we'll never know. I think one day um, he's always stated he would love to go back to um, Newell's Old Boys yeah. in Argentina. Yeah. And in, his, in his, uh, the end of his career, he'll probably play out in the, uh, the Argentina Superliga. Maybe, but why not try Syria? Why not try the Premier League? He's got enough money. If you're looking for the sporting challenge, I mean, you take Cristiano Ronaldo, he's gone looking for a challenge and he's got it. And mm. for me, that, that that says much more. And obviously, you, we we are a, a podcast which is neutral, but our individual opinions also make for podcast. And I, I don't doubt Messi's ability at all, but I just think we'll never see it in a different setting. So you can't really put it up against the, the greatest of all time, in my opinion, you know? Oh, we we can agree to disagree, can't we, James? Indeed, we can. But that's what that's yeah. what that's what makes the secret to the success. And uh, I was reminded uh, I was reminded today on the WhatsApp chat that um, it's my anniversary on Man on the Post today. Yeah, one was it? What is it? Your f- one year anniversary? My James? one year anniversary. I was completely oblivious until uh, Ross uh, email uh, texted me on the WhatsApp this morning by saying congratulations and uh, yeah, a big thank you to everybody who I've dealt with on Man on the Post. Um, I've enjoyed every second and uh, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon and uh, especially delighted with our pod you know it's something I've uh, been very excited about something that was in the pipeline for a long time as we both know as we both knew it was about getting um, get about getting everything set and um, yeah there's been many highlights the last year but obviously this is the highlight for me Scott you know this is one of the highlights of the week and uh, something I enjoy the most but if if I was to look back at a, a highlight for us all with the whole group it's got to be the World Cup that, that, yeah. that was such fun that was just such such fun from the minute that everyone gave their predictions and you get funny looks and and people storming off by uh, by not wanting to not wanting to hear that I gave Morocco half a chance of getting through the group 
and then uh, and then you get like um you know with the with the knockouts and all that different kind of thing and uh, it was just everyone had the different opinions everybody respected each other's opinions and uh, yeah i thought the world cup in particular man on the post segments were were tremendous and uh, look for, look for, look forward to the euros in earnest yeah, it's not not too far away. Not too far away, and one of the one of the host uh, one of the host stadiums. I could throw a stone of, from a stone to it from my front door. <laughs> Um, I, uh, the Johan Omnis at the Ajax Amsterdam Arena. Nearly, Johan Cruyff. I remembered in my head. We've uh, we've talked about Ajax before. It's the yeah. Johan Cruyff Arena. Yeah. Um, can I just quickly say something about the um, the Leon Barcelona game? Of course you can. Mark Antoine Testegen pulled off one of the best saves I've seen in a long while um, to deny uh, Terrier uh, with an absolute rasping drive from about 30 yards out. Went full blast. It was top, top bins, as I would say, top corner. And just plucked it out of thin air. Fantastic save. He's up there, I would say, with one of the best two or three goalkeepers in world football at the moment. Yeah, well, what a move for him! It's actually tender age to go from Mönchengladbach to uh, to Barcelona and to be yeah. to be part of um, to be part of that uh, winning Barcelona side. I mean, if you compare it to uh, Jasper uh, Jasper Sillison, who's a backup and only seems to play Copa del Rey and Dead yeah. Dead he he has improved, but not by that much. And uh, if he's playing week in, week out, he would improve a lot more. I mean, I, I remember speaking to William Fruit, who discovered Silicon at Nijmegen, and uh, and gave him his chance and everything. And um, yeah, it just goes to show the two, the two parallels of the two goalkeepers in that respect. One of them's well on his way to replacing Neuer long term, and the other one, you know, is involved in the Dutch national team setup, but will never really nail on a first team place unless he's playing week in week out in that respect yeah just sitting on the bench at Barcelona pick up his paycheck and playing the odd 90 minutes in January when the Copa del Rey comes into fruition exactly but the, the what people forget is when the season before uh, Stillerson left up until he joined Barca he was having a torrid time as, as Ajax uh, goalkeeper they uh, they were struggling especially in Europe and his distribution was quite poor and um, you know he wasn't exactly on the top of his game to merit a move to Barca, but he got it. And he, you know, personality-wise, Silicon's you know he's a he's a, a fine fellow, and uh, you know he's he's um, well respected within a squad. But it, it was quite it was quite strange to watch him live in the run-up to that move, having poor distribution and and struggling domestically as well. Uh, you wouldn't really say that. One on one is two in that respect, but he got his move, and good luck to him. And uh, yeah, I agree with Testaven. You know, I think uh, it was very, very dapper of him to have such a move at such a young age. And um, yeah, he's certainly made the most of it. We are now going to move on to the other nil-nil draw of that evening, which was Liverpool against Bayern at Anfield. And I don't know about you, uh, Scott, but when I looked at the team lineups, I had to do a double check regarding Bayern Munich's substitute bench because I couldn't believe it was that week and um, obviously um, this match will be played out in Munich in the second leg with uh, uh, with the tail being complete but uh, yeah I couldn't believe the strength of that Bayern bench it's not the Bayern that you associate with a, a very very strong bench where I remember when they won the competition and they came to um, the Emirates and they won 3-1 Robin was on the bench for that game and he came on for the last 20 minutes 
Um, I think they've been, been they've been struggling with a lot of injuries recently, and that, <clears throat> it seems that they've lost Kingsley Coman for a while again. Mm. Yeah, I think he's having some difficult injuries of late. I believe. Yeah, the, um, he's got um, ankle injuries. I think it's maybe his second or third ankle injury. Yeah. And there was a rumor, an innuendo flying around that he was contemplating retirement at age twenty-two, which was oh, that's painful. That is yeah. that is painful, isn't it, for a player who's. Uh, you know, Juventus and Bayern Munich in your CV to retire at 22 because you need to. That would be very, very painful, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's he's a really good player and he's fantastic. And um, Juventus had to, um, not say they loaned him out to Bayern with a, a view to buy, and um, it was just a bit of a shame that they lost him at that time because he would have done well for Juventus but Bayern have picked up a good player but it's just a shame of the injuries I'm just trying to find out who was on their bench as well um, look at lineups. so they had so it was Framrabri Rafinha um, Davies who come from Alfonso Davis is a, a very gifted young footballer, which come from Toronto FC. Um, not Toronto FC. Dallas, wasn't it? Van- no, Vancouver Whitecaps. Oh, Vancouver well, I think Toronto FC. I was thinking of someone else there. Okay. Um, it it was Van Horrijk, um, Renato Sanchez, uh, Lars Lucas May, and the last one. Shabani. Yes, is it Mirtan Shabani? Yeah, and I, I just looked at it and thought, I thought, you know, is this Bayern? But I don't know if it's if it's just me uh, not being the most uh, uh, clear cut lover of German football. But it's not the it's not the the the, um, the qualities and the um, and the marks that you associate with Bayern in that respect. But um, I think they've done well to get a draw. Yeah, I think it was a good point for Liverpool because they did it without Virgil van Dijk, yeah. who is um, become he is one of the best defenders in the Premier League and up there with the best defenders in Europe at the moment. Yeah. And I caught the highlights of this last Thursday, and I was really impressed with Serge Gnabry. Yeah, what who, a what a. What, what plonker let him leave Arsenal yeah. in, in the plight also, that he did but also, that yeah oh, sorry James goodness. I know but also what idiotic, idiotacy or idiotacy yeah from um, Tony Pulis yeah. as well he said he's not up to my standards when he was on loan at West Prom but he, he was gave... he, he was very 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 young yeah. And I have I have no beef with Tony Pulis at all. I think for his for him to go about his managerial career in the way he's done it, to get Stoke up the way he did, and to make Middlesbrough challenges, brilliant. I have nothing against Tony Pulis, but by the same token, um, a player of Gnabry's qualities at that age at that time was never really going to be conducive to a Tony Pulis squad, was it? No, no, no. So, yeah, so it's it's like having, you know, Hewlett doing what he thinks is right and and not selecting uh, Gnabry. But um, I can only think of what Wenger used to say, and I'm not defending Wenger here, but I think there's an element of truth in it. Wenger used to say on a regular basis, when you don't play them, you have to let them go, 
and I think there's an element of truth in 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 how Gnabry's story at Arsenal came to an end. But I mean, you you, I suppose every club has an example of that—a player that was let go that you didn't think was going to make the grade, only to turn out to be really really good. And um, yeah, it's just one of those things, really. He um he gave Andrew Robertson a bit of a terrible yeah. torrid time, and um they had to switch the four backs around. So Trent Alexander Arnold had to go to left back, and um Andrew Robertson had to go to right back. Mm. But it's going to be interesting the second leg. I think both teams will score. Yeah, who do you think and will I, go through? I think Liverpool will go through on away goals. I think Bayern will win the game in ninety minutes. And uh, very, very interesting. We shall see how that pans out. We're now going to move on to a tremendous result from Atletico and an even more tremendous celebration by their manager. Ballsy. Uh, just uh, that, uh, obviously I'm not defending it. I'm sure people will take umbrage with the celebration. And, and there's been, On a Dutch um, football talk show, he's been... Uh, He's been lauded as a complete idiot, seemingly only for doing what he's doing. But it, obviously, you're caught up in the moment. But this is a man. This is a manager who has a winning mentality. And as a player, you you would want to play for this man. I would want to play for this man. And uh, I would forgive him his lapses in 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 um, in respectfulness, if you like, or going about his business he, he's, he's, he's closing in on becoming one of the best ma- well he already is one of the best managers in the world but I just think this result for me I stated beforehand before the tie kicked off Scott but in my opinion first and foremost it's a shame that this two-legged tie is, in, is taking place in the last 16 yeah, so early. and I also stated that I believe the winner of this tie will go on to win the, uh, the winner of this two-legged tie will go on to win the Champions League, and I stick with it. And um, I just think Atletico, I think for Godin as well, you know, to score and and to be so important and to be the real captain, fantastic. I think it's a great result, and I think that Juventus have got it all to do, even in Turin. You know, they yesterday, you would know yourself, being with your knowledge of Italy and how well they Juventus. Uh, do at home, you know. They had uh, Palmer had a great result in Turin, but I, I can't, I can't. From three one down, yeah, I, I, we scored twice. I can't see anything but a Juventus may might well win, but I can't see Atletico not going through to the quarterfinals. Yeah, I agree with you on the game itself. Um, Juventus really didn't turn up, and they struggled to contain Atletico. Um, two great uses of VAR. In my eyes, but I do feel sorry for Alvaro Morata, who scored in the Madrid derby, and that got taken away, and then he scored against his old club, and that got taken away. But that was a foul on Chiellini, even though Chiellini did make a meal of it, and he's very well known in Serie A and European football for doing that. He likes to dish it out, but then if someone just breathes on him or slightly nudges him, oh, he he, could, he, yeah. he can give it, but he can't take it, can he? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, it, great use of art, especially for the first one. Uh, the Siglio was a little bit late on Diego Costa, and um, it, at first I thought it was a penalty, but as you see, it was broken down. It was um, it was just outside the box, and then it's brilliant from Atletico in the second half. They took their chances that they need to do. It was pleasing for Diego Godin because. Um, he's actually going to be off in the summer. It yeah. looks like he's on his way to Inter Milan, yeah. and uh, I'm. Quite looking forward to him playing in Serie A next yeah, season. I'm sure. I mean, I'll, 
I mean, I dream about him signing for Arsenal, but obviously I, I know it's highly unlikely. But he's just, uh, I mean, for my, it's just my personal opinion. I'm not over eulogising Scott. I was very, very young when I watched Tony Adams play, and in my teenage years and, and early twenties when I watched Sol Campbell play. But as my knowledge of the ins and outs of football has grown through the years, I think that Diego Godin is the best centre half I've ever seen, especially live. I mean, in that semi-final in. Uh, against Arsenal back in April he was man of the match made block after block after block and the pure simplicity of when a ball goes out of play just going a few steps to his left to talk to his left back to talk to his right back and he made it seem as if nothing was a chore I'm happy to do it and I compare that to the defence that Arsenal have now where they're using sign language in some cases because they can't open their mouths and uh, or they can but what language are you talking in? And it might sound churlish what I've just said, but I've seen it in evidence about seven times so far this season. Eight times, sorry, after Barty Borisov. And I'm sticking to it. You know, language is an important part of any job you do, especially if you're in the defence for a professional football team. And I think Godin, is, he can take all the plaudits for moulding that, um, that Atletico back four together with uh, Simeone <laughs> and the respect of all the different parts that, that make up that defence as well. And um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where he goes. And I'm sure if he does go to Italy and to Inter, he will do a tremendous job. Yeah, also on the first goal, that was just very horrible and weak defender for Benucci, who who decided to do the old uh, Sergio Busquets. Oh, I see. Across the face, yeah. And then, yeah, that was that was painful to watch. Did he do peekaboo as well? Like Busquets yeah, did? the old peekaboo. If I was yeah. in that, I'd be shouting at the TV. No, if, uh, I, I don't... I don't um, advocate violence, but it, was it Matt? Was it Matarazzi who was the victim of Busquets? Uh, no, Thiago Motta. Oh, Thiago Motta. Yeah, that's the one. I don't advocate violence in any way, shape, or form. But if that's me, and you're doing that to me, and I've just been banned from a European Cup final, I'm gonna have you. I don't care. Yeah. If, I don't care if it's for the cameras. I don't care if I get docked. Uh, three weeks' wages. Couldn't care less. If you take that dream away from me, I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you, but yeah, um, you know, you can only hope that Busquets has since matured, and it appears that he has. But uh, even then, you know, how many years ago was it now? Ten, nearly. Yeah, nine. Yeah, nine, yeah, and nine, you know, yes. that's still that's still evident in in some people's minds. Uh, we are going to um, close with discussing the final um, last sixteen tie in Gilsenkirchen between Schalke and Manchester City, and an absolutely tremendous free kick from Lilo Sane. Yeah, what a game. Um, bit of VAR on this one, uh, especially with the first handball on Otamendi. I thought the right call was made. Mm. Um, two very good penalties from Nabil Bentaleb, who I did not think was, was a very good penalty taker until I saw him. Yeah, was and then he's, mm. he's been Schalke's penalty taker for a good couple of years. I did feel for them. Um especially on the free kick and the winner from Sterling. But what a ball from Edison to Sterling for the yeah. winner. Absolutely. And a cool finish as well from Sterling. He's, uh, yeah. he's, he's really finding his feet. And um, he's always been a dangerous player, always, since he, was a young, um, since he was a young player. But I think Sterling, Guardioli's helped him improve even more. And I just think he's, he's getting even more dangerous. And 
I think it won't be too long before Sterling's linked with uh, some of the big hitters abroad because he's uh, he's really come on leaps and bounds, and he's uh, especially in his awareness, and he's um, yeah he's got a great future ahead of him. Yeah, the amount of criticism he gets in the British press is over the last year or two, and I really hope that the the penalty he took to win the Carabao Cup on Sunday shut some up because it was a great penalty as well wasn't it it was it was but it's been borderline racism and it's good to him as a role model for the younger players Mm. and he's he's taken it and Mm. he put out the Instagram post not so long ago and then Piers Morgan offered him to come on I I would have rejected that straight away Mm. but yeah he's he's taken it and he's he's put he shut up a lot of people, and yeah. it's good for him that he's done it. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, as I say, it's a great, a great comeback from City. Put them in, uh, in the driving seat for the second leg, and also uh, another point. Did you hear about the um, Manchester City fan who ended yeah. up in hospital? Well, uh, I don't know the current situation, but obviously we hope he's well. Uh, we know ourselves from going abroad to watch football that. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing, but you always have to keep your wits about you because you never know what's around the corner. You never know who's sitting next to you. You never know who's going to take umbrage. So we hope that he feels um, that he makes a, a speedy recovery and that he can uh, he can watch his team uh, progress in the Champions League. I second the thoughts. Um, I heard about it the next day, and um, I think more about it's come out in the press. I think we just have to wait and see what's going to happen and the consequences. Absolutely. We are now going to uh, move on to the Europa League, if if you don't mind, Scott. I was at Arsenal Barty Bodasov last Thursday in Arsenal's um, Arsenal's three 0 win, and uh, we were helped by a own goal within five minutes, which kind of set the tone. And uh, two uh, good uh, headers from defenders as well, seeing our passage into the last 16, where we play Rennes of France. And uh, I have sounded the alarm quite loudly that that this game is going to be a lot more difficult than what people think. I will also be attending the home leg. uh, That's on the 14th of March. And... um, Rennes have also had their game against Nîmes postponed from this weekend in order for them to prepare. They're currently in action in the French Cup where they were winning 2-0 the last time I checked. And so I believe they're going to go into the last uh, eight of the... Um, I think it's the last eight of the... Coupe de France. Yeah, I believe so. I think it's the last eight. Uh, they've got some very good players, in particular uh, Hatim Ben Arfa and Clément Grenier and Saar, the winger as well. Um, this game, to me, is a great opportunity for Arsenal to to show they've learnt from the Barty Bodasov win. Uh, we, I believe we need to win in France. Uh, if we, uh, uh, you know, t- we managed to turn it around against Barty Bodasov, okay, regarding opposition, but then put six goals past an excellent Real Betis side. Yeah, that was a shock result yeah. for me. Yeah, and this Real Betis side has beaten the Atletico Madrid at home. And yep. Barcelona away, and um, they—it's um, an opportunity for them to to go through. I think it's going to be a really interesting tie. I'm very excited. I'm always excited to go to European matches with Arsenal, but especially with the second leg being at home. And yes, there was confusion as regards to the draw, and that Chelsea were also at home. And UEFA's rule that you can't have two teams in one city kicking up at the same time in the same night. 
Um, I wonder if if this all does lead to, you know, skullduggery and Arsenal end up with Chelsea in the next round. Should they go through? But um, we're a long we're a long way off that. You know, this is a hundred and eighty minutes of hard work. But um, a really, really interesting last 16 draw as well. And uh, one match I wanted to talk to you about was uh, Eintracht Frankfurt against Inter because I believe that there could be a shock on the cards in that game. And I'm, what, what, Inter winning? No. <laughs> that was me being a bit... <laughs> but very bit clever, bit very clever. No, I, 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 clever. Uh, yeah, that's a bit too clever for me. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe for some of the listeners too. But... Um, Eintracht Frankfurt topped a group of Lazio and Marseille, and Marseille were last year's finalists. And um, I just think there's something about them, and um, I can maybe see them dispatching of Inter. But uh, what's your thoughts on the um, draw of Inter and Napoli in the last 16, Scott? Um, Inter, I I think they will struggle. Um, they were held at the weekend against Fiorentina in a, a highly controversial game, thanks to the video assistance referee of VAR. Which um, the game the game kicked off with a 16 second goal, uh, and then ended in a 101 minute penalty. Yeah. So yeah, VAR yeah. was a bit controversial. I think they struggle. Uh, Inter have got have had a bit of turmoil recently over the Mauro Riccardi stripping of the camp captaincy and then it doesn't help that your wife is your agent and she's come out in the press and said some things and she's come up on a, a TV show um, excuse me <coughs> that she does on a Sunday night called Backup and then Antonio Cassano was the guest and Antonio Cassano has had a a checkered past a bit of a Indeed, history but you, you want him as your teammate though wouldn't you Oh, of course. Um, great player, mercurial yeah. genius. Yeah. On his day, he's fantastic. But when he's the um, when he's talking sense, yes. what is the world coming to? <laughs> I think yes. I think he has matured. I mean, I don't know oh, uh, yeah. in terms of the, being past the watershed if we can discuss some of the stories of Casano, but maybe for another day. But I think in terms of pure morale. He's just, uh, he must be a laugh a minute. Yeah, I've heard some stories. Totti um, said some stuff about Cassano, him going out uh, the night before, turning up to a game, hungover, mm. and then them beating, I think it was either into Juventus 4 0, mm. like in 2003 2004. Cassano was the man of the match and the best player on the pitch. But on the game, Inter Frankfurt um, against Inter. I can see Luka Jovic shining mm. again, and he's been the star player for Frankfurt this season. Mm. Well, they won the German Cup last year at the expense of Bayern Munich. They did indeed. And um, yeah. and they the, the Super Cup five one, didn't they? Yeah. Well, they just look as if they you've know, got some excellent players, and I just think there could be a turn up for the books there. And uh, what's your opinion on Napoli? Um. I watched Napoli against Parma on the weekend and they played really, really well. They looked like they were back to their best. They looked like they got that swagger. Mm-hmm. Um, they do play Juventus this weekend Very on a Sunday night and that is um, bar the Rome derby on Saturday. That's the top two games of the weekend. But yeah, uh, uh, Ball Leipzig. I was going to say Red Bull Leipzig, but no, it's Ball Leipzig. That is also a tough choice. So it's Italy versus Germany in uh, the... Uh, Salzburg. Scott. Oh, oh, it's not. Oh, is it not? Oh, it no, says, oh, it's Salzburg of Austria. 
Ostrid, my bad. Because yeah, yeah, I'm looking happen. on Google. It can, it can, Google, it can happen, got, no. And that yeah. against Salzburg, and Salzburg is in uh, is in Austria. Yeah, oh, my but yes, because Rasenball and Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, they got knocked out in the in the group stages. Yeah, together with, together with AC Milan. Yeah, hands up, apologies, apologies, my bad. Um, yeah, I on that I do think Napoli will go through. Mm-hmm. Um, Carlo likes to um, to rotate. Like Sari, Sari likes to burn his players out, mm. and it's a bit confrontational, as we also seen at the weekends. But uh, yeah, Carlo, I'd say he's got a very good squad of, uh, of players at Napoli, and he, he seems to be getting the best out of them, and they seem to be hitting form at the moment. Because while watching them play on on Sunday, they were fantastic against a, a not very bad Parmaside, a Parmaside who come back from the dead after relegation after the, the bankruptcy and all the turmoil that I had but I can see one shock in Frankfurt and Napoli winning yeah it'd be very very interesting I think it's a really balanced um, last 16 uh, draw you know and people like to cherry pick and say oh they'll get through they'll get through they'll get through but it doesn't work like that and I think the people that advocate that, I think they just show themselves up, really. And, um, yeah, I can see Napoli getting through. I think Frankfurt will get through. Uh, Zenith St. Petersburg will be there. For me, that is a real 50-50. I think on Villarreal might want to get knocked out of Europe so they can concentrate on their league form because... They're in a bit of a battle at the bottom of La, of La Liga, yeah. and I could see them maybe just putting this on the back burner and just trying to avoid relegation to the Segunda. Maybe, but by the same token, it can always come up to come to play catch up with you. I mean, you look at uh, Burnley taking Aberdeen, Istanbul, Basaksehir, and Olympiakos with contempt to kind of preserve their Premier League status. And they're in the mix to get relegated, back, and we're now in we're now in nearly March. Yeah, so, so you can't you can't you can't if if, if if the grim if the grim reaper is coming for you, he's going to come for you. You can't yeah. you can't you can't stave it you can't stave it off. And um, yeah, I just think it'd be really interesting. I think um, I think really looking forward to all the ties, really, particularly Arsenal Ren because I will be at that one. And um, yeah, hopefully Arsenal can take another step towards uh, the final in Baku in Azerbaijan. That concludes our latest Man on the Post European podcast. We'd like to thank all the listeners for listening and thank you for tuning in. Scott, would you like to tell people how they can get in touch with you on Twitter? Yeah, um, follow me at, at Scott underscore Monroe. And apologies once again. I looked on Google. It said RB Red Bull. I thought it was Leipzig, yeah. but it's Red Salzburg. My yeah. apologies. No, all these things happen, you know. And uh, yeah, uh, follow us. Uh, people on Twitter can also follow me on at James Rowe and L. If you want to congratulate me on my anniversary, please do. I'm open for presents and chocolates and all that kind of thing. But um, you know, always say hello, maybe. And. Um, yeah, we'd like to point you in the direction of the Man on the Post uh, network where we have lots of different podcasts for your listening pleasure in types of um, Man on the Post extra time and unusual efforts. So there really is something for everybody. We will be back again soon to discuss another round of what's happening in Europe. And once again, please don't feel free. Please feel free to uh, ha- um, forward any questions that you might have because we don't get many questions and I don't know if people are shy I don't know if they think we're we're not very 
well, I don't know if we're, we're not very open. We are completely open to any questions that anybody might have. So uh, please don't be shy. And finally, always remember to keep your man on the post. Thank you.